guys, welcome back to Masters of the Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe, over there is Doug, over there is Eric, and we today are getting into the Old West, which actually isn't that old, it's actually kind of the New Old West? It's the, it's the new, last new, of the Old, old West. <laughs> it's yeah. the uh, death throes of the Old West is what it is. It's the 90s take on the Old West. It's called Tombstone, baby. Oh, yeah. What do you want on your tombstone? Uh, pepperoni. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, <laughs> I couldn't resist a dad joke, that's man. The it was per- like, that's the perfect answer. Are you kidding me? Low-hanging fruit. I was hoping let's one just, of you would get the, the reference. Let's just yeah. get this out of the way first, okay? Before Whoa, we... who the fuck's that? Oh. Right. Uh, hi, I'm Will. Hey, that's Will. <laughs> this isn't my show. Right, so we're not going to sit around and talk three, about random it's bullshit for an hour. Of the people, three quarters of the people. Think yeah, so. that's pretty much. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, it's more like three point nine quarters of the people. It's like my show, but better. You can't. What's can't missing? Seem to shake each other. I don't know. What's something, missing? Something Bad something seems missing. different. Yeah. Something seems different. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Anyway, the air is lighter. So the question, the question of the day, the question of the episode. Yes. What's better, Tombstone or Young Guns? Oh, it's not. There's not even a fucking question. That's a silly question. Is what that is. Come on. Ooh. Okay. Answer. Defensive. Lightning round. Answer. Doug, go. Tombstone. Eric. Now that I've seen Tombstone, I'm going to say Tombstone. Joe. Westworld. <laughs> You're all wrong. The answer is Young Guns too. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Young oh, Guns no, those too. are enjoyable movies. There's no Horseshoe question about Boogaloo. that. I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I must choke them on water. Or shoot boogaloo. So, guys, yeah. anyone got anything new going on in their, in their world? Anything awesome in your life? Well, I, I mentioned off air that uh, I'm getting my first uh, Fauci ouchie on Tuesday. I'm getting round one of the uh, Corona vaccine. And I'm very excited about it, actually. Nice. Because I need, I need a little bit more freedom. I know. I need a little bit more freedom in my life. I'm not going to go run around naked with no mask on, but um, yeah, yeah, that would horrify the neighbors. You know it, <laughs> exactly. But I need to be able to venture out every now and then. I, it's, you know, I'm going on a year since I've been in my office at work. Not that I'm going back, but um, this is a good first step. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, Glad guys, you made my- it. My yeah. venture into uh, Bitcoin is now draw- I've lost forty eight cents. Fucking <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> high roller. That's hey, great. I-, I hate that PayPal made so you can buy cryptocurrency on PayPal now, because like I had to try it out, so I got the twenty dollar option, and I'm down to nineteen fifty two. I love it. Have you heard about this Dogecoin thing? The dog. Yeah. The yeah. Dog it's coin. All- yeah. Well, no. I mean, it, it started yeah, off at less than a penny. It's up to six cents now, and the goal is to drive it to a dollar. So if you buy in at six cents, you get up to a dollar, you know, you could do something with that. I'm just saying, even if it's only some beer money, you know, yeah, it, you're investing something that's not going to cost you. What's I'm that? Using, I'm using PayPal for this, so I can't. I got, I got Bitcoin. Oh, Litecoin, you're limited. Yeah. Ethereum, Ethereum or Bitcoin Cash. Oh, apparently okay. It's using Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So what the fuck is a cryptocurrency? Like, can somebody give me the the fucking cliff notes of this? Like, I don't get it. Like, what? Uh, apparently, it's money what are we for doing nerds. With it? 
So I, I don't really know, but like, it's some kind of money that like goes up and down in value very fast. Huh. <laughs> That's all yeah, I know about a, it. And you can get it with PayPal. It's electronic currency. I don't know much about it either, but it's an electronic currency. It's sort of like the digital age's gold standard. You know what so I mean? Yeah. Like people used to deal in the can gold standard. Like, they deal in this now. Right. Can you like transfer it into like freedom dollars or like what? Yeah, you can cash out just like a stock. My, that's okay. my understanding anyway. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. cash out. Um, I, I just, it's actually kind of fun now to just watch it and see if it goes as it goes up and down. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, and it's very volatile. It's extremely it, volatile. It goes up like and down. It's like gambling for people who don't want to actually make bets. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's also like another one of those things that it's just, I think it's too late to get into. Like, yes. you know, it, if you yes. would have got in early, you know, like a, there's people talking about with this this dog. I don't yeah. even know if I'm saying it right. I'm like, oh yeah, I got some of that like five years ago. I got fifty two thousand of them, you know, right. for a penny or whatever. It's like, okay, well you're gonna do good. I don't know the first thing about this stuff. There's there's like farms dedicated to it and stuff. It's just I I don't understand any of it, man. Apparently on Reddit you can like. Uh buy GameStop. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on with it. But somehow GameStop oh, yeah. is like worth a shit ton of money or something. I'm just going to keep burying my money in my backyard. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll reproduce there. Come take it. Anyway, what are we, what are we what's new? Uh, let's see. I have sickness, not the Rona. <laughs> Thank goodness. But yeah. No, that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a good old uh, sinus infection and uh, ear infection. So. Oh man, I'm in a great mood. <laughs> well, I hope you're excited about talking for two straight hours. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> At least. <laughs> the double ear infection, sinus infection, uh, diarrhea, crazy. Let's dive in. Hey, Will, didn't so, you get a promotion? No, no, no. I, well, it's. I don't know, man. It's a fucking mess. I'm not sure. Now, there's choices to be made upcoming. Choices to be made. Fair enough. Yeah. On that note, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. 1879. The Civil War is over, and the resulting economic explosion spurs the Great Migration West. Farmers, ranchers, prospectors, killers, and thieves seek their fortunes. Cattle drovers turn cow towns into armed camps with murder rates higher than those of modern-day New York or Los Angeles. Out of this chaos comes legendary lawman Wyatt Earp, retiring his badge and gun to start a peaceful life with his family. Earp's friend, John Doc Holliday, a southern gentleman turned gunman and gambler, also travels west hoping the dry climate will relieve his tuberculosis. Silver is discovered in Arizona. Tombstone becomes queen of the boom towns, where the latest Paris fashions are sold from the backs of wagons. Attracted to this atmosphere of greed, over 100 exiled Texas outlaws band together to form the ruthless gang recognized by the red sashes they wear. They emerge as the earliest example of organized crime in America. They call themselves the Cowboys. And there we go. That's the start of Tombstone. Uh, that is the legendary Robert Mitchum doing the narration. Uh, they had him do that because he was originally supposed to play uh, Pa uh, Clanton 
Ike Clanton's father and Billy Clanton's father, who was also a ruthless prick. Um, but he got hurt, and he couldn't do it. So they had him narrate that instead. Fell off a horse. So they, they wrote him out of the script and had him narrate it. He was happy to do it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, today we're going to talk about Tombstone. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, it's probably top 10 for me, top 15. Um, absolutely love it. I may have seen this movie more than most any other movie or, you know, almost any other movie I, I, I like or watch. Whenever it's on, the channel stops and I watch it. Um, so that's why I'm doing it anyway. It's a selfish thing, but I, I think everybody digs this movie as well. Uh, before we get into the story, a couple of quick things, because there is some behind-the-scenes stuff that went on in this, uh, with this movie. Um, it was written by uh, Kevin Jarre, who actually wrote uh, the movie Glory, which is an amazing movie. He wrote the 1999 movie The Mummy, uh, Rambo 2. But he, he had a bad reputation in Hollywood, and it bit him in the ass a few times. Um, things just didn't work. He didn't click with the cast, uh, the, the producer, and uh, they had to let him go. And um, it turns out that Kurt Russell um, basically ghost-directed this movie uh, to make it work. Um, what he did was he, he spoke to, uh, to Stallone, uh, who had a similar problem with the same writer and director in Rambo 2 and ended up doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, he hired a, uh, a director named George uh, Cosmatos, um, who he was basically... You know, he was there to just do what Kurt told him to do. You know, um, Kurt Russell would show up at night with the scene shots for the next day and explain to George how he wanted it done. And uh, George did it. And it worked because the movie's great. So I got no problem with it in the end. Um, you know, it's basically a lesson in don't be a dick <laughs> and you'll keep your job. So, you know, uh, not a bad thing. Uh, so after that narration um, by... Again, the great Robert Mitchum. We get a shot of the aforementioned cowboys, uh, sort of riding, you know, through the through the desert towards the camera, and then the title tombstone comes up across the screen. Um, we see them enter a town, a, Mex a town in Mexico. Um, you know, they show some scenes, you know, some cuts in the, in this scene with uh, the local inhabitants of this town. Uh, setting up for a celebration. It's a wedding. Uh, looks like uh, one of the federales, one of the Mexican police, married the love of his life, and they're ready to celebrate. Um, as they exit the church after the, the uh, nuptials, um, they're confronted by a group of the cowboys. Uh, it's led by Curly Bill. Uh, Curly Bill Brocious. He is the leader of the gang. Um, that's the great Powers Booth. It's a nut He's another great character actor. Um, you know, I mean, he's done a, a ton of movies, Red Dawn and uh, Sin City. Um, he was in the Marvel Universe. He played one of the, you know, the quote powers that be uh, that uh, everyone had to answer to. So he's a very recognizable voice and, and, and physically imposing person. Um, you know, he's the leader. So uh, he he's sort of introduces his powers. <laughs> All right, we're not going there. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, Ask yeah. me who my first favorite powers is. Uh, it's, it's Kenny fucking Powers. That's who it is. Of course Kenny it is. fucking Powers. That's right, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I, you know what? I don't have much of a problem with that. Kenny Powers is a cool dude. Um, Hell yeah. 
so yeah, he, uh, you know, it's funny. I love the way Powers Booth plays this character. He, he's, he's almost never not happy, you know, w- w- in whatever he's doing, yeah. whether he's drinking, playing cards, or killing people. He's always happy. He's got this little chuckle that he does with his tongue half sticking out, you know, and everything's a game to him. Everything's fun, um, as ruthless and deadly as he is. Uh, so, you know, Powers Booth. He definitely he, he definitely did that right. If that was his idea, kudos to him because uh, he did it right. Um, so he holds up a couple of red sashes. Uh, you know that again, as uh, Mitchum mentioned, they are the, uh, the sort of the signature of the Cowboys. Uh, holds them up, and you know he mentions that y'all killed two Cowboys. Um, that doesn't go well with the, that group. Um, as soon as he says that, uh, they start shooting all of them. And again, to almost to a man, <laughs> they're all enjoying this. They're gunning down these Mexican police. They're dropping like flies. It's a complete massacre, and they are hooting and hollering and laughing and shooting. And, uh, you know, there's really not much redemption in this bunch. Um, they just like doing what they're doing. Um, so Curly Bill, he decides to introduce himself to the, rem- you know, the remaining soon-to-be-dead people, um, you know, and he just lays it out and says, I'm what you might call the founder of the feast. Um, you know, he uh, he lets them know he started it all. They all listen to him. And, uh, you know, if you cross him, you're fucked. That's the bottom line with it. Um, the cool thing about this movie that I dig is there's so many recognizable faces uh, as far as actors and actresses yeah. go. Um, a lot of, lot of actors. Insane act- cast. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it, it's, uh, it's like Band of Brothers. If you watch Band of Brothers, um, th- the number of actors that got their start in that series, it's the same thing here. You know, some of these actors were established, but others were new or early in their careers. But Michael Bean from from Terminator and Aliens. Um, who else do we got? We got Stephen Lang, great character actor, Avatar, uh, and and the, the list goes on with with, with him. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church from Wings, uh, love that dude. He's a great character actor. He's been in a bunch of movies, Sideways, and We Bought a Zoo, things like that. Uh, John Corbett. Let's, who let's is, not forget the uncredited Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, yep, we'll get to him. We'll get to him, that, but yeah. I was like, is that Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, and then yeah like, that's I can't tell either, man. I went that's to kinda, up, I was like, well, he's not on the IMDb, but that was clearly yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, no, it was. See, that was kind of out of shape, tubby uh, Billy Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a couple of years before he wrote the screenplay for, um, for uh, uh, Sling Blade. So he was very up and coming. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, that, again, that's, that's part of the mystique of this movie for me is that, you know, so many recognizable faces. It's crazy, you know. So, um, so yeah, Curly Bill introduces himself. I was himself excited as, to see uh, Michael Rooker. Right. I and was Mike, excited exactly. to see Dana Delaney. Yeah, Dana Delaney's – that's good. I'm glad they used her. Um, but, yeah, Michael Rooker too, you know, another one. He was in there. He was the only yeah, one. Michael Rooker. And, and we get to this throughout the movie. He was the only one that wasn't taking joy in what was going on. He was already having seeds of doubt in his head. And we'll, we'll explore that a little further down, down, down the road. But um, he was the only Mary one. Poppins, that, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, Curly, Bo- Curly Bill introduces himself again as the founder of the feast. Um, the priest uh, who's still alive at this point. Um, he goes off in Spanish. Basically, no one understands what he's saying, um, except Florentino, the, the basically lone 
you know, Latino or Mexican from, from in the crew. Uh, but as we learn, his uh, Spanish is worse than his English. Um, the priest lays out <laughs> his intentions and basically he's cursing these men to hell um, in a biblical sense. Um, but Florentino, he doesn't understand what's going on. He talks about revenge and, you know, a sick horse. And, you know, uh, we get our first glimpse of, of uh, Johnny Ringo, uh, the true psychopath of the group. Uh, which will, you know, that'll come to light as we, as we move on. Um, and he just, you know, he, he, he says, you ignorant wretch. I mean, you know, your English, your Spanish is worse than your English. Um, so we're not quite sure, unless you speak Spanish, what, what the priest has said yet. Um, so some of the cowboys grab the bride who's still alive, and they bring her off into the church, and we know what's going on there. Though not long after she's in there, there's a gunshot, so... It might have been quick, but, you know, these guys are animals. There's no question about it. Um, so they sit down to eat the feast that was intended for the celebrants of, of this wedding. And, you know, the, the cowboys are hungry. They start diving in. Um, the priest comes back for more, and he starts in again. And Johnny Ringo demonstrates his psychopathic uh, tendencies and just immediately shoots him in the head. He doesn't even give him a chance. Um, this even shocks Curly Bill, and that's surprising. <laughs> like, everybody's shocked by this. Um, not that they wouldn't kill a priest, but just with the cold-bloodedness that, that Johnny does this, um, sort of takes them all back a bit. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely ruthless, you know. Um, that whole scene reminds me of something that would have been in an episode of Westworld, like season one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it was in a way. You know, the massacre uh, is it, similar to that. Um, it's just a, you know, a, a bloody massacre in, in this case. And, you know, hey, the intention of, of it, it, the writer and, and in this case, you know, Kurt Russell and the director was to just demonstrate the absolute, you know, uh, amoral code of the Cowboys. You know, they this is what they did. This is how they got jo- the job done. You know, and, uh, and the, just to be clear, back then, cowboy doesn't mean the same thing it means now. No, that what we think of as cowboys were actually cow hands back then. Right. Cow, yeah, cowpokes are, yes, exactly. A buckaroo is more of, a, of what they were, but they, they use the term cowboy. Um, so at this point, uh, Curly, Bill, Curly Bill, he wants to know what that priest said to him. Um, so he asked Ringo to translate because Ringo, we're learning quickly, is a very learned man. Um, so Joe, roll it. Hey, Johnny, what I miss can mean a sick horse is going to get us, huh? Quoting the Bible, Revelations. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. So, so basically, that's that's a a, um, a reference to the apocalypse. The four horsemen. Yes, the, exactly. The pale horse was the one ridden by death. Death being the leader of of which would have been horsemen. accompanied by pestilence, war, and famine. Yes, yep. Uh, which, but in, the majority of that I learned from reading Good Omens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, the thing the, the thing about that it's 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 obviously a you know a straight up foreshadowing of, of what's to come for for the Cowboys. Um, you know, it, it, there's 
you know, there's, we're not beating around the bush when we say this movie is a bit heavy-handed <laughs> in its foreshadowing yeah. and its indication of things to come. And I, I have no problem with that. You know, it, it, it's, it's fine with me. But, yes, it's, they beat you over the head with some of their, you know, some of their indications. And, and yeah, it's all good in the end. Um, so I'm so, not big on terminology in my brain, but is this a horse opera, a spaghetti western? <laughs> what, would this, what would this be classified as? Uh, yeah, this is, I, <laughs> let's call it a horse opera. All right. It's definitely not a spaghetti Western. Right. That's a completely different animal. Um, yeah, I don't know the differences in these things. I just want to know which one this would fall into. All right. Yeah, this, this is, this is a horse opera. We'll go with that, Joe. <laughs> All right. I like horse opera. That just sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> like I can imagine a theater with like a bunch of horses sitting in there. And then there's like one horse dressed like a Valkyrie going like, Oh, 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 <laughs> like, that's what wow. a horse opera seems like to me. <laughs> okay, you're right. I think you nailed it. We're on to something. Get get the pens out. We're writing the screenplay. They, they vote. They're like, "Did you guys like that?" And they're all like, "No." And they're like, "The nays have it." <laughs> <laughs> this is almost as bad as the pedophile. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you predicting the future? Because that's next episode. Oh yeah, that's true. <clears throat> there may or may not be a reference. Stay tuned. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, so as Johnny Ringo fi- finishes that translation, uh, we hear a train r- whistle, and uh, it transitions to a train arriving in the uh, train station at Tucson, Arizona. Um, and again, this goes directly to what Johnny said about you know, uh, you know, hell coming with him, because we we watch a pair of legs you know stroll down the train steps, and it pans up, and you know we've we've got Kurt Russell in, in, in all his handlebar mustached glory. Um, you know, looking stoic as Wyatt Earp. Um, he's on to his next big adventure, and he's excited about it. Um, okay, I know so that, I've spent uh, a majority of my adult life thinking and totally shitting on Kurt Russell about this role. <laughs> because, I was going to ask you, <laughs> yes. And, you know, having watched it twice through in preparation for this, uh, it's really not as bad as I remembered it being. Okay. Like, I, I don't All know right. why. Like, I, I mean, I mean, was it great? No, but I, I feel like I give it more credit now. I give him more credit no. now for his portrayal of the role. And I will say, if you look historical photos, he's actually fairly close. Like, it he does. It's definitely he does. there. He does. And so. honestly, it's funny. Uh, will you saying that? Watching it back now. So, I mean, again, I. I I'm not joking when I, I say I've watched this movie at least 50 times, all right? It's ridiculous, but I, I have. But I watched it two times this week, okay? And I can more respect your opinion after watching it and, and you know, interpreting it and analyzing it because I likened it to, and again, thinking about what you had previously when we had conversations about Kurt Russell, I likened it to um, Hamilton, right? If you watch Hamilton... The weakest link in Hamilton is Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> mm-hmm. The guy who created it is the weakest link performance-wise. He's good. He's very good. But he doesn't hold a candle to the rest of that cast. He knows that. He's admitted it publicly. Kurt Russell was the same. He might be the weakest link in a great movie. But okay. that's not to say he's a weak link. He's just not the strongest performer in this movie. Um I've got a special place in my heart for Kurt because growing up, you know, as a late 60s, early 70s Disney kid, he was the golden boy of Disney, 
I mean, the movies that he right. was in and the TV shows that he was in. So, again, with me, there's a lot of nostalgia with movies. They're touchstones in my life. So, you know, he's an important touchstone in my life in that sense. But I get it. I get what you're saying. He's, he is possibly the weakest link in this movie. Not to say he's a weak yeah. link, but, you know. He, this, this isn't my favorite Western movie he's in either. Okay, which one? The Hateful Eight. Mm. Yeah, I don't His know. Come on, that. he actually plays that. He plays the best yes. in that movie. He was great in it. He was great. In he that does. Movie. He does. Well, he's, uh, a, he's like, mature. I'm not a Kurt he Russell did. hater, man. Like I like Kurt. No, no, Russell. no. I, I, I get like, it. Oh, I, I get like, it. I like him in this too. But he plays the character better in that movie because he's grizzled. I agree. And he's got more years on him. Mm. Well, he's matured as an actor now, too. I'll, I'll mean, say for. I'll say for my money, Val Kilmer stole the show for me in this oh, movie. I never, I never watched this before. This is my this is my first viewing of Tombstone. Wow! Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, really? and and my Val Kilmer experience is is pretty limited. You know, now right. that I'm thinking about it, for me growing up, it was uh, his turn at Batman. Yeah, right. which was you know yeah. what what it was. Um, shitty. Yeah, <laughs> very shitty. Top he did what he could with that. But man, like yeah. the the acting chops on this cat in this yeah. movie, and I'm sure you know. Doug's gonna go into it, but just the the mannerisms and the you know the fl- the sweat the tuberculosis like exactly come on, blew me away, Valcom. Exactly. He reminded. What's funny ahead. is he reminded me of someone else, and I can't think of who it was. Like the entire time I'm watching him, like now it's probably someone else playing like him, but you know I, I would say Johnny Depp. Like he had shades of Johnny Depp going on in this role. Did you watch yeah. the Umbrella Academy? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the guy that was like the drug addict guy in that show. Yeah, he kind yes. of reminds me of. Oh, the he could. That, if they did a remake, he could be. He yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, because the, you know, Val Kilmer, he lent a sophistication to the role, which was needed because the the real, you know, Doc Holliday, the real John Holliday was. I mean, he was a dentist. He was well educated. He was a Southern man, and and Val Kilmer delved into that. He really researched Doc Holliday. You know, fortunately, there's a ton of material on the guy. Um, and and what he did with this role is absolutely amazing. And but funnily enough, that role almost went to Willem Dafoe. Oh, that would have been terrible. Ooh. It, hey, it would have been, been awful. And the reason, the only reason that he was not cast is the movie studio because The Passion of the Christ came out right before this flick. Yep, and this and is a Disney movie. Exactly. The movie studio said, "No way, we are bringing that controversy into this movie. It's not happening." And he was squashed, and then they brought Val Kilmer in. So, luckily enough, because it, the movie would have fell apart. I'm sorry. Yeah. It would not have been the classic that it is. It, and I love Willem Dafoe. It's just not his thing. No, this, this particular like, role this was not was his thing. For, like, no one else could have done this and done it justice. I would exactly. like to say, like, in reference to Kilmer's performance as a native Tennessean, his southern accent's a little bullshit. Uh, it's yeah, supposed be, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a Georgia aristocratic type, uh, thing. right? Yeah, but right. He, I mean, I understand what he's going for, but I mean, I, I know yeah, people yeah. who actually talk like that, right? It's it's shitty. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it, I respect that, I do. Uh, but yeah, he he's the coolest in this movie, um, and obviously, I'll I'll gush about him as we go on. He, d- he does have, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, but he does have one of my favorite lines in any film ever in this yes. movie. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, what else is a cool bit of trivia is all of the mustaches are real. They all grew the mustaches out for this movie. Nice. Except for uh, Behan. Uh, 
Yeah, because he uh, came from another movie where he had just shaved or something. He was he was he was going to start production on another movie while this was still going, and he yeah. he couldn't do that, so they gave him a fake mustache. And uh, this but, movie is the reason Sam Elliott has his mustache. He kept the mustache after this movie because he yes, liked the way it looks so much. And that it, it is iconic. It, it dwarfs all of all of the mustaches ever grown that is a man's <laughs> by mustache. anybody, living, dead, real or, or fictional. Okay. Um, it's him. It's Sam Elliott. I can't imagine that man without a mustache. But um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, Wyatt steps down off the train. He's looking around, surveying the land uh, again, excited about his new adventure. He, he's retired from, from peacemaking uh, and, and marshalling. And uh, he's got a new endeavor. He's going to he's going to set forth on with his brothers. Um, we get a look. We get a look into his his mindset when he sees his horse being mishandled by some dumb handler. It's whipping him with a big rolled up piece of cloth. Um, he grabs the guy. He grabs the, the the cloth and he whips him with it and says, "Hurts, don't it?" <laughs> and uh, tells him to go away. And then he takes care of his horse. Uh, it's just the man he is. He's no nonsense. Um, he writes wrongs when he sees them. Um, in real life, yeah, not so much. If you read some stories. <laughs> about Wyatt Earp. He was a bit of a prick. Um, he was a cheater. He cheated at gambling. Uh, you know, he ran a lot of brothels. He did some unsavory stuff in real life. Uh, he, he, was he, ran not a lot of, he ran brothels in tandem with being the town marshal. Yes, exactly. It was a pretty business lucrative. Yeah. It was transactional. It was completely transactional with him. Uh, as it was with a lot of these characters in real life that you read the background on. Uh, so yeah, he's not the he's not the golden boy virtuous uh, individual that that's portrayed in this movie. But you know something, it's all good because all they said it's based on a true story, so you can do anything you want. It's all good. Um, so yeah, he uh, you know he he immediately gets approached by by two men. Uh, they're U.S. Marshals. Uh, it's Crawley Drake, um, played by Gary Clark. He was a great Western character actor. I you know not somebody I'd know if I didn't look it up, but. Uh, he was in a ton of westerns. It's just what he did. He fit the role. He was good in it. And uh, Ed Bailey, who's Frank Stallone. I always laugh. I know Frank Stallone just makes me laugh because <laughs> he, yeah. he he had a career, has a career because of his brother. Uh, good for him. I would have done the same thing. Um, so he's <laughs> oh, in yeah. this, and you know he's out of his element. You could look at that guy. And he's Frank's out of his element in this, but he's trying to keep up. But whatever. He's not going to ruin the movie. Um, so they're looking to recruit Wyatt. Um, you know, they, 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 they know his reputation. Everybody knows Wyatt Earp's reputation, but he shuts them down like instantly. And he does this, he does this for the first half of the movie to anybody who asks. He just shuts them down before they even get a word out. Um, you know, it, it's, it is a cool line. You know, the, the, the Mr. Mr. Drake, he's like, well, you know, um, I never saw a rich man didn't wind up with a guilty conscience. And, um, you know, Wyatt's response is beautiful because all he says is, look, I already have a guilty conscience. Now I want the money. Um, so, you know, he, he makes his he makes his intentions known. You know, it's it's real simple. Um, so then we, you know, we see uh, Virgil and Morgan Earp um, and they're, you know, they're on their way to meet meet uh, their brother Wyatt because uh, they're going to do this adventure together. Um, it turns out in real life. There were two more Earth brothers that uh, didn't make the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was yeah. there was there was a younger brother uh, um, Warren, and there was an older brother uh, James. The oldest he was older than uh, than Virgil. Um, mm. They both participated in the uh, revenge ride that takes place in this movie, uh, not in the movie but in real life. They were part of that crew that hunted down the cowboys. 
but one they, of them was eating a sandwich during the shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't make they didn't make the cut. So that's all right. Um, so yeah, we see Virgil and Morgan. Uh, you know, two of the other Earp brothers. They see they see Wyatt, and you know, it's handshakes and hugs all around. They're so happy to see each other. They're so excited. Um, you know, we meet the ladies uh, in their life. Um, so uh, Virgil's wife, Allie, is played by uh, Paula uh, Malcolmson, who is in so many things. Like she, she was actually in Deadwood um, with uh, Powers Booth. Uh, she was in Ray Donovan, Sons of Anarchy, ER, Hunger Games. She's been in a ton of stuff. Um, I love her as, a, as an actress, um, especially in Ray Donovan, uh, fantastic actress. So this is one of her first roles, I think, first or second role as, a, as an actor. Uh, so... We meet Wyatt's wife, Maddie, and we immediately see she has some issues. Um, you know, everybody else is really happy. She's nervous and twitchy. And, you know, we quickly come to find out that she's got a, a, a bit of an addiction to laudanum, which is, um, I, I looked this up. I kind of knew what it was. I know it was an, it was an opium. Uh, but apparently it, it includes all of the opium alkaloids, including morphine and codeine. <laughs> so... This stuff packed a punch, and it was very addicting, and she, it had her hooks in her big time. Um, this is based on the truth, apparently. She was addicted to it, and uh, she did eventually in her life die of an overdose because of it. Um, she was so, his third wife? Yeah, at that point, she was his third, yeah. And, and he was only in his 30s. So when we first meet him, he's about 30, 31 uh, so he'd already been married three times uh, by like, that Sounds age. like Will. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Ding, ding. You are correct, yeah. sir. Um, so, you <laughs> Once know, you get past two, you might be the problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, after, after the second failure, there's a common denominator there. Exactly. So uh, we come across what I'll tag as some of the corny scenes in this movie. Uh, I understand why they're there, but I could have done without them. Uh, the entire crew, you know, or Wyatt realizes they're standing in front of a store window, and you can see the entire crew's reflection in the window. Yeah, I hated that. I'm like, it's very, I, it's forced. Shit. It was too forced for me, and it's corny. Yep. Um, that's my problem with it. Uh, it's funny because that's the issue. All of the emotional scenes in this movie, as far as male-female relationships, are forced and awkward. Like, but they just fucking blow so, off like. Eh. The end of, of his marriage, like I know, it's just I like know. it's a footnote at the end of the movie. Exactly, exactly. So you know, oh, Maddie died I of agree. A drug I mean, yeah, well, that's because he's hanging out with Freckle Canyon, right? <laughs> <laughs> my wife, you know? my wife was asking me what this movie was about, and I was like, oh, it's about this uh, like once uh, sheriff type guy trying to justify cheating on his wife for exactly. an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with this, you know, this hot redhead with the Freckle Canyon. It's it's definitely a women as game. ornaments. Uh, it's definitely a women as ornaments movie. You know, it's a guy's movie. Um, I'm sorry, man. Freckle Canyon got me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they're looking in the reflectionist window, and everybody's smiling except Maddie. She's still like twitchy and nervous, and she's just not happy to be you know alive. Basically, she got the meth mouth. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and they're all thanking Wyatt for, for putting this all together so they can make their fortunes. Um, they're gushing over Wyatt for doing this. Um, so we, we quickly get our first reference to his friend Doc Holliday, 
um, played by Val Kilmer, as we mentioned. Um, you know, they, he, him and Virgil are talking and, you know, you know, Wyatt just says, I missed that old rip. And, uh, you know, because it's funny, back then you lost touch with people more, not permanently, just because, you know, there's really no way except with Telegraph to get in touch with them at that point. Um, Virgil drops the comment, you know, like I said, Wyatt, Wyatt says he misses him. Virgil says, I don't. Because um, Virgil's a little older. He understands, you know, the volatile nature of, of Doc and what he can do to people. Uh, I guess he doesn't hate him, you know, he's still a friend, but he's wary of him. Um, again, a nice transition. Doc is mentioned, and then we meet Doc for the first time. Uh, he's playing poker with the marshals who had approached Wyatt earlier. I think, I know Bailey's there, so Frank Stallone is there. I'm not sure if the other guy is the same actor. It's hard to tell. But let's just assume that it's the two marshals. They're sitting down in town there. Uh, it's not Tombstone. They haven't gotten the Tombstone yet. I was going to say, I um, thought this was a different town because, like... It could be Tucson. Like, it, it could be. I don't know, but it's definitely not... It, it's not because, obviously, at the end of the scene that we'll, I'll describe, they got to vamoose. they got to get out of there. Which, um, they, so, they take their time vamoosing. They do. I, it, it's a cocky arrogance. It's a cocky it's a arrogance. Sl- it's a slow and, and he doesn't like yeah. take their guns, so it's not like they can't no, just come I know. Out and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so we see Doc playing playing uh, poker with these dudes, and uh, we meet his partner in crime, Kate. She is uh, known <laughs> in real life. Uh, her uh, Katie Elder, Kate Fisher, Big Nose Kate. Her real name, because she was, I believe, Hungarian, is Maria Isabella Magdalena Haroni. You know, she, she had a bunch of names. She was a prostitute that Doc uh, consorted with. Um, a very transactional relationship between these two. They, they love each other as much as two people who don't know how to love love, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, everything is a transaction with them. They, they, they're making their money together. They're taking money from each other together. Um, again, reading the real life stories about these two, and especially especially Kate, she was a mean son of a bitch. <laughs> There's no other phrase for it. Um, yeah, she just she wasn't a nice person, but they clicked, and uh, they were definitely partners in crime for a long time. Um, so, the game it's definitely a contentious poker game because Doc just keeps winning. Um, he's insulting them as they play. You know, just busting balls. I mean, because that's what he does. That's what Doc Holliday does. Um, it gets to the point where he loses and, um, and he wins. And, you know, Ed Bailey just fucking loses it. And he calls him a skinny lunger. And I remember seeing this the first time and then having to look it up. So Doc is referred to as a lunger many, many times in this movie. And it has to do with his condition. He has tuberculosis. Um, as mentioned in the in the opening narration, that's why I moved to the southwest, the dry air, hopefully to do his lungs good. Um, so that was a common name back then for somebody who had that condition, as they called him a lunger. Um, so he calls him a lunger, and <laughs> Doc feigns, you know, that he's insulted, but he doesn't give a shit. Um, you know, he goes he goes on to tease Ed about, oh, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I could bear it. Um, just busting his balls. It's awful. It's merciless, and it's beautiful. And that's why we instantly fall in love with Doc Holliday as a character. Uh, so Ed reaches for his gun. He claims he's, you know, without those guns, again, you're a skinny longer. Um, but, you know, Doc does have the guns, and he's fast. <laughs> so Ed reaches for his, and, like, Doc's got his two pistols out before Ed's even got his hand on, his, on the grip. Um, so, you know, Doc puts the pistols down. 
Ed thinks he's got the jump on him, and he bum rushes Doc, and Doc stabs him. <laughs> he doesn't care how it gets done. He puts a knife in his belly. Um, you know, he, cl- he <laughs> and and it also in vintage Doc, he cleans his knife off on Ed's vest. <laughs> before he puts yeah. it back you know he just wipes it off he gets the blood off there because he didn't want to put it away dirty um so you know he, he walks away they you know kate's already scooping all all the money off the poker table um because she's already they've got this plan from the start um they exit the the saloon and they grab all the money off i think it's a roulette table if i'm not mistaken but they grab the stacks of cash so i mean they're just robbing them blind and you're right. They are very nonchalant about this. Um, they, they just mosey on out. You know, they get on the horses and they're on their way. Uh, Let's not make one, out first. Yeah, that's true. They do that. They do why, that. Kate, you don't have a bustle on. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> line. Now I know why you didn't have a bustle. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, like I said earlier, they have a moose. Uh, we, we get out of there. Wait, um, bustle is definitely just panties, right? No, it's the thing that makes no. your ass look big. Yeah, no. it, it holds the dress up. It holds the fabric off the dirt. It keeps uh, the dress she, clean. She didn't need to bustle. She got the, the right. She got her own bustle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. Uh, so we we now transition to a scene of the families in uh, you know in, in their wagon and on the horses. Uh, they're heading to Tombstone. So I, I looked it up. Tombstone's about seventy miles away from Tucson. So. I would imagine it would take at least three days to get there. So, you know, they just did that, this quick transition scene to demonstrate that it's going to take a while. They're going to have to stay over a couple of nights and camp out. Um, so they make it to town. They come into the outskirts of town. And I couldn't confirm this, but as they're entering town, two guys on horses blow by them really fast. From behind, they look like two characters we meet a little later on. This is Turkey Creek Jack Johnson and texas jack vermilion i think it's them but they go by so fast you know why can't see them they don't see him and they just pass each other by so in my head it's those two because it makes it cool <laughs> i don't know if you guys even noticed that um but it makes it cool for me so um they pass boot hill cemetery <laughs> there's a grave plaque in there that's actually it's well the grave plaque actually exists, but nobody knows if it's real or just placed there for tourists. But it says... Well, they, there, there is a real one, but the real one's somewhere else that they, they copied the... Oh, okay. The All thing right. from it, and then they put a replica one there. But there is a real one that exists in another place. I can't remember where it was exactly, but there is a cemetery somewhere else that has that exact okay. inscription on it. Yeah, so it says, Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. <laughs> so... They were comedians in the Old West. It was great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody wrote that for poor Lester who got, who got gunned down. So yeah. um, they get now into town. All what, these so? epitaphs outside the Haunted Mansion at Disney. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's funny. You know, it's cool. Uh, I mean, Boot Hill, Boot Hill Cemetery is a tourist attraction at Tombstone. I haven't been there. I do want to get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I think it would be fun. The whole town, it's... It, it's a corny tourist attraction, but I definitely want to do it because of my love of this movie. Um, There's a Boot Hill in Daytona also, Cemetery. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. It's right okay. on the main drag. It's weird because, like, you go into Daytona, like, where all the bars are where they're doing, like, bike week and stuff. Right. And, like, there's this weird cemetery, like, just sitting right there in the middle of all the bars. And it's, like, huh. lifted up, too. It's, it's, like, huh. it's, like, raised, like, five feet off the ground. So are they all great? 
are they old graves or like uh, is it old? Older. Oh, um, okay. All right. I'll see if I can find a picture of it on uh, in ten. Yeah. Have you been there, Eric? No, no. I never heard of it. It's right on the main like drag there. I think there's actually a boot hole saloon there too. Huh. huh. That's interesting. I'm sure it was a fairly common name. I mean, yeah. For a cemetery I mean, back I'm, in the I'm old west. They I mean, did it you know. like as a tribute like to the movie too, probably. Yeah, that could be it. You're right. That could be. So Stevie Ray Vaughan song too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know what fascinates me about the Old West, man? I grew up, my mother was, like, obsessed. We watched Westerns, you know, went to, like, all these festivals and all this shit. And I'm, like, I was just surrounded by Old West stuff. It, the thing that, that boggles my mind is, like, the the point in history where these two, like, these things, these people that you know, live this life, this crazy ass, like brutal life really yep. kind of overlapped with relatively modern history. Yes. You know, like, yes. like Wyatt Earp died in the twenties in the late twenties and, exactly. and big nose Kate died in 1940. 40. Exactly. So, I exactly. mean, you know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, no, no, it, it, yeah, it, it's definitely a cool juxtaposition. I dig that. I, I completely dig that and understand it. Um, Ah, damn it! It's it's Pinewood Cemetery, but it's right across from Boot Hill Saloon. Oh, okay, all right. But like, it's literally like, directly across the street. But it's this big ass cemetery. It's like right where the Pike Week everyone goes. Huh. Interesting. Huh. I guess I just saw the saloon and assumed that's also what the name of the uh, yeah. cemetery was. A lot but, of Freckle Canyons at Pike Week in Daytona. Oh God, so many Freckle Canyons. <laughs> <laughs> that's a band name. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Wyatt gets in, you know, they finally get into town proper. Uh, they're pulling up to, to the grand hotel. Um, and up walks, uh, the Cochise County Sheriff, John Behan. Uh, he's played by John Tenney. He's another character actor. He's been a lot of different things, you know, his face, but maybe not his name. Uh, he's the one we referenced who did not grow the mustache, uh, because he was in another movie at the same time. Um, so, you know, Wyatt's reputation, okay, once again precedes him. You know, Behan knows who he is. Um, he propositions him about becoming a peace officer, and Wyatt, Wyatt just, he shuts him down again. Uh, you know, he talks about going into business. That's what he's here to do. He's here to make their fortune. Uh, Behan's eyes light up, <laughs> and then he, li- he lists his bona fides. Um, because besides being the sheriff, he's the tax collector. He's the captain of the fire yeah. brigade. He's the chairman of the bipartisan anti-Chinese league, <laughs> and the, uh, the he's uh, on the t- yeah he's on the town lot commission as well. So he can he can get the he can get them three cottages for rent really quickly to clean them for free, you know, because he's such a nice guy. Um, we're going to learn a lot about Behan and his underhandedness and ties to the Cowboys. And I honestly think that when he asked Wyatt to sign up, um, he was looking at it, you know, as much as a transaction and 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 a possible in the growing quote the empire as anything else he wasn't really because you know we'll learn later he really doesn't give a shit much about the law uh he was just looking for some uh some some help and again if you look at why it's real life <laughs> he had no problem helping uh more so than in this movie um, so uh yeah so then we meet um next scene we meet fred white he is the local marshal he's the town marshal um interesting thing about that so he's played by uh, Harry Carey Jr., who is no relation to Harry Carey, the Cubs announcer. 
That was um, my. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I they, that they actually spell it. Find. They spell it different too. Uh, mm-hmm. Harry Carey, the announcer, spells it C A R A Y. But Harry Carey Jr., his father was Harry Carey Sr., who was a staple in the the movie community for westerns and such. Um, and and this Harry Carey Jr. got into acting because of his dad, um, and he did a lot of westerns as well. Um, the funny thing is, it turns out that that Fred White in real life was 31 at the time. He was not an mm-hmm. old man, yeah. um, you know. But they decided to go old for whatever reason. I don't understand why, but you know, it's cool. Fred's a cool guy. Um, you know, he uh, he starts telling you know Wyatt and and, and the crew about uh, the Cowboys. You know, they basically run the town because you can see them with the red sashes. You know, there's a few of them out there. Uh, Two of them are talking with Behan, so we see the first interaction between Behan and, and the Cowboys. So we know they're in, they're in cahoots. Um, and his comment sums it up. You know, he says the plain fact is the Cowboys are good for business. Uh, they bring money into the town, helps the town flourish and grow, and people don't complain much. They let them pretty much do whatever the fuck they want. Um, so, you know, this uh, why it takes the opportunity to ask about the saloons in town because that's where the money's made. Uh, Fred describes how how nice they all are, um, except for one, the Oriental. Um, it's a beautiful place, but uh, he just sums it up as being a slaughterhouse. Um, and of course, you know Wyatt hears that, and that's where he makes a beeline to, because he sees opportunity, because that's what he does. Um, he looks for opportunity when it's there. Um, he heads into the Oriental, and it's dead. There's a few guys in, in there. We see people in the corner playing a table game um he walks up and introduces himself to the uh to the owner bartender who laughs when he says he's Wyatt Earp he doesn't believe him um which is sort of counter to everybody else who meets Wyatt knowing who he is immediately um so you know Wyatt asks about what's going on and and you know Milt the uh the bartender and owner uh describes the problem with uh, the aforementioned Billy uh Billy Bob Thornton uh Johnny Tyler he strolled in there one day and took over. Um, he's a blowhard bully. Uh, took over the place and, uh, you know, started threatening people, probably killed some. And, uh, you know, no one stood up to him. So he took over the, the gaming and he takes the money and does what he wants. And no one wants any part of it. So as nice as the place is, they don't go near it. Um, so Wyatt sees him as nothing but a target and, and an easy target to eliminate. Um, he walks up uh, and just starts to stare down poor old Johnny Tyler. Um, he get, Johnny gets up and he tries to, you know, tries his bluster on, on Wyatt and it doesn't work. Um, he just gets bitch slapped. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, and, and it, it's also cool. It turns out that Billy Bob Thornton ad-libbed that whole thing. Yeah. The thing about playing cards with my, my brother's kids and if you pick that queen again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick you up that wildcat's ass because there's a stuffed wildcat with his ass sticking out up on the wall. He ad-libbed that whole fucking scene, which was beautiful. And him and Kurt played off each other. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he looks at Kurt and he goes, he, he sarcastically says, I'm real scared. And Kurt's like, damn right you are. And Johnny's in his head going, oh, fuck. He knew he, knew he was done. Um, and Joe, you're right. He just he bitch slaps him. He bitch slaps him so bad. Um, yep. Three you know? separate times. Yeah, he th- he 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 tries to goad him into pulling his pistol. 
You know, you, you, you pull that smoke wagon. Are you going to pull that smoke wagon or are you going to stand there and bleed? And Johnny knows he's done. Um, Wyatt grabs him by his ear like a kid <laughs> and fucking drags him out of that place. And you know, don't you come back ever. He's out the door. And then, you know, Wyatt looks, hey, Milt, how's 25% of the house take sound? So, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're in business. Um, that's the best part of this. It's very cool. And it's interesting. Farrow, I had to look it up. Um, it's a pretty easy game to get and, and understand, but it's definitely way in the house's favor. Um, they lay out one of every card, 13 cards, from ace to, to king. Um, and then they have a deck of 52 cards. And the players basically pick the card that's going to be flipped over next. Um, they place their bets on top of the 13, one of the 13 cards. And uh, the dealer draws two cards. One is a, the first is the losing card. And the second is the winning card. So if you put your money on the losing card, you lose. If you put it on the winning card, you win. Um, there's other nuances not worth getting into. Um, it's, you know, I, l- listen, I've been to a lot of casinos. I haven't seen it played. I don't think they do it anymore. But back then it was an easy game to set up and play. Uh, so it was popular. Uh, and, again, it was, it was heavily leaning towards the house as far as the, uh, the take goes. So, um, you know, that's what the people do. Um, where are we? Here we go. So uh, Wyatt, you know, and this is fortuitous that <laughs> this town's not big, but it's not small. But, you know, uh, the, the Earp brothers are walking by the Oriental just as Wyatt exits. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> so he's able to walk right up to him and uh, start telling him how they, you know, they got an interest in a game. Uh, so, you know, they're off and running. They're very excited. And now I'm going to throw out an obvious reference to a previous episode. As they're talking, a bunch of cattle run by and they're not on fire. <laughs> not a Filipino barbecue? Nope, no Filipino barbecue here. They are just running cattle, which is great. I was very pleased because I did not want to see any more burning cattle. Um, <laughs> Mars attacks, folks. Well, listen to the episode. It's worth it. <laughs> um, so <laughs> as they're walking and talking, we see behind them Johnny Tyler. He's got a shotgun. And uh, he's coming and coming and coming. They don't see him. Um, at the last second, <laughs> okay, they're stopping. He's ready to lift that shotgun, and out of nowhere, Doc Holliday comes to the rescue. Um, you know, he screams, why, Johnny Tyler, you mad cap. Where are you going with that shotgun? <laughs> my, my, my southern accent's worse than his, Will. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Johnny knows who Doc is, so he stops in his tracks. He's shitting himself again. Um, you know, he hasn't even cleaned the last shit from Wyatt, and he's shitting again on top of that shit in his pants. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of shit. It's a lot of shit, all right? The Earps see Doc. Um, they're all happy to see him. I mean, even Virgil, he side-eyes him a bit when they shake hands, but you can see he's a little grin under that walrus mustache. He, he's happy to see him, you know? They're, they're friends, and they like each other. Um, so, you know, they explain, they have a quick conversation about gambling, the difference between gambling and, and, and poker and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just very jovial, you know, conversation. And then they turn to see that Johnny Tyler's still standing there, dumbstruck with a fucking shotgun in his hand, because then he realizes who beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so that makes it even worse. There's even more shit coming out now, because it's wider. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it leads to this great line. Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. <laughs> That's a great line. It's so beautiful. And the reason I, I needed to play that is because 
I, I should have mentioned this at the start of the, the, the episode, but this movie is the most quoted movie in my house. My kids, they've all seen parts of it. My, my older boys have watched the whole thing, and my old, all my boys have watched the whole thing. And my daughter, just by virtue of sitting with me on a Saturday, has probably seen the whole movie. So this is a line that is used in the house by all of us. Like when we're having a conversation and we want to stop that conversation <laughs> or just shut somebody down and be a prick, you may go now. Like it just gets dropped in my house all the time, along with like 10 of the lines in this movie. I can just see a bunch of like northerners trying to do a southern accent. Oh, yeah, it's awful. It's awful. It's but, worse than me trying to do a New York accent. Probably, but it's fucking funny. We, we just we absolutely roll with it. It's uh, Dad, great. With your, with your uh, thing going on like this, you can go now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it works. We all get a laugh out of it. We use it on the phone in our conversations now. You know, we'll finish the conversation. You may go now. You know, it's just, and it's if, great. If you guys keep listening to this episode, I have not yet begun to defile myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So just um, wait till I talk about Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> so. What I think is actually the best part of this scene is that they ask him to put the shotgun down, you know, before he goes. Just put the shotgun down. And he doesn't know what to do with it. He tries to hand it to Wyatt. Wyatt goes, no, put it down. He yeah. puts it down on the floor, and he says, thank you. He's so <laughs> fucking shook. He thanks them for beating the piss out of him and humiliating him. And I literally spent 10 away. minutes trying to figure out if that was Billy Bob Thornton. Oh God! Yeah, no. Because it's not it was, an IMDb. Like, I know, I know. Not on there, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. God, that's Billy Bob fucking Thornton. I'm like, but he's kind of fat. Like, well, that's the thing. As he walks away, you really see the tubby. You see the pre-cut like Billy Bob. Supply. Yeah, exactly. So he, yeah, thank you, and he walks away. It's it's a fucking. I'm, I'm like trying to like find this. I'm like, I want to see the sailboat. <laughs> he acted like me when I get pulled over by the cops. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you get a ticket. I'm like, thank thanking you. Thanking them for charging me money. Exactly. It's it's. Thank great. you guys for doing such a hard, difficult job. Be safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did so, I ever tell y'all my my story about my story? old truck and the police? Oh God, I thought you were going to mention a cruise ship. Thank God. No, no, Go ahead. No. <laughs> um, I had a uh, tail light out in my truck, and um, I replaced it once, and it just it just kept going out. Like so, I was like, fuck it. I'm like, it's going to be out. And then um, I started thinking about it, and I was like, if I get pulled over for something, I'm more likely, if I'm, like, polite to them, to get a ticket for, like, the taillight being out, which is just to go fix it, and then, you know, you know, you can throw away the ticket, basically. You take it to the court and show that you've done the repair. Um, so what I would do is I carried extra bulbs in my glove box, and I told my buddy this, and he thought I was crazy. Like, I'm like, Luke, I'm like, look, if I get pulled over... I'm going to say, oh, I didn't realize my taillight was out, um, and I have extra ones here. I could replace it right now. But if I get pulled over for something else, you know, I'm going to gamble that there's a chance that I might be able to get out of the bigger ticket because I have the taillight out. So he kept telling me I'm a dumbass and I'm this and that. <laughs> so one day I'm going down the interstate. I'm passing the truck going about 90. And then, like, I was, root, root, the state trooper pulls me behind me. So I, I make sure my foot's on that brake as hard as I can because I want that brake light on. <laughs> The state trooper comes up, and I'm like, hey, sir, how are you doing today? And he's like, I'm, I'm good, man. He's like, you know how fast you were going back there? I'm like, I was trying to get around that truck. I'm so sorry, sir. Um, I apologize. I just I was stuck behind some semis, and I wanted to get around them. I should not have done that. And he, and he comes back to his license reservation. He comes back about three minutes later. He goes, 
I'm going to tell you what, sir. Since you didn't try to bullshit me, you didn't try to, like, lie to me or anything, I'm going to give you a, t- a ticket for your taillight being out. <laughs> oh. so, as soon as, like, he was out of my sight, I called my buddy and said, you'll never guess what just fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I was Woo. like, I can't believe this actually worked. I thought this was just, like, me, it. like, with one of my stupid-ass ideas that never works. <laughs> I'm like, it actually fucking worked. <laughs> That's great. I like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right, so Johnny, Johnny Tyler says thank you when he leaves. Tubby, Tubby uh, Billy Bob. He's, he's gone. We don't ever see him again. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of the same scene, but uh, up walks, uh, you know, Marshall Behan. <laughs> and Wyatt, being a, the Joker, just, you know, being happy to see Doc and wanting to fuck with him. Uh, he introduces uh, Doc to Behan. <laughs> Um, be, you know, Doc, Doc has a, a built-in aversion to, uh, you know, law officials. He just, he, he hates them. I mean, he's, he's the antithesis of, of a law, of a law abiding person. So, uh, even not knowing who Behan is, you know, as a person, um, Behan tries to shake his hand and he doesn't even lift it. He goes, excuse me if I don't shake hands. Um, he doesn't want to touch him. He doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, their, their conversation uh, migrates to how sophisticated a town, how cosmopolitan um, Tombstone's becoming. <laughs> and, you know, Wyatt and Behan are talking about a racetrack, and, yeah, that's going to make us, you know, you know, more popular and more cosmopolitan. Next San Francisco. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so, so Doc sort of tries to bring them down to earth and says, uh, you, you, come on, guys, this is nothing more than a mining camp. <laughs> and and yeah. it, he, was, he was more correct than they were. Um, in a lot of ways, but you know, they're fighting it. Uh, yeah. And, and Behan goes, you know, yeah, we'll be as big as San Francisco in a few years and just as sophisticated. <laughs> and, you know, Doc smirks. And just as that happens, we are gunshots. Um, they all look up and a, and a, and a few guys spill out of the, one of the saloons. Um, one guy raises a pistol. The other guy says, don't do it. And he, the guy does it and he kills him. Um, they all recognize uh, the two gentlemen as uh, Turkey Creek Jack Johnson and uh, Texas Jack Vermillion. Um, you know, acquaintances of Wyatt and, and, and uh, Doc and the whole crew. They all know him except Behan. Um, they come over and they introduce each other. And um, it's funny because at one point Doc, Doc tells uh, Turkey, you know, better check your ear, Creek. And uh, he pulls his hat off and his ear is like he's missing a chunk. And that's because his ear really was Mission and Chunk. They, they used that uh, in the movie. Um, he had lost it in some kind of horse accident. Um, so, interestingly enough, the guy plays uh, Texas Jack Vermillion. Uh, where's his name? I want to give him credit, but uh, I'm not going to find it. He was actually the, called the Buckaroo Wrangler for the movie. Because he was really, he was, a, he was a living Old West dude in the sense that he embraced that lifestyle. So he was the, basically a technical consultant so that the Cowboys and, and, and everybody would act accordingly, act like someone would back then. Uh, so besides getting that role, he, he, he doubled his dad on set. So that was pretty cool. Um, Fred, you know, Marshall Fred comes over. Uh, he asked the two of them to hand over their guns. Um, they object a little bit, but not really. Um, you know, he's got to take them before Judge Spicer uh, just to clear the air. Um, that's how things were done back then. Uh, bring them before the judge. They have witnesses. You know, uh, Creek actually says, you know, it was a fair fight. We was legal. Um, and then, you know, ends the conversation ends with, with them handing over the, 
the weapons and just stating law and order, that's us every time. So, you know, as far as the old West goes, they were upstanding citizens <laughs> as much as you could get. Um, you know, they made sure they paid attention to the rules. So uh, here's here's another, you know, one of my beefs and awkward scene, just a just a forced scene. Uh, stagecoach rolls up in. Uh, there's a there's a theater troupe in the stagecoach, and uh, they're going to be performing in town. So they they roll up, and you know the door opens, and first out is the uh, fabulous Mr. Fabian, <laughs> played by Billy Zane. Um, Back to the Future, one of our previous episodes, he was in that. That was one of his first roles, I believe, his second role ever. Um, obviously, his biggest role is Titanic, uh, and, and he was the Phantom, one of the old comic book heroes. A uh, bunch of roles. Um, He's sort of blackballed from Hollywood now. I don't. I didn't bother looking up why, but apparently he's persona non grata now. He doesn't get many roles. Um, it was for being in the Phantom. Yeah, probably. It was so bad that that they said no more. That's it. Um, yeah. So he 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 exits the stagecoach, followed by Miss uh, Josephine Marcus, uh, Dana Delaney. I mean, yeah, Joe already said it. Dana Delaney. She's all right. Um, China Beach, <laughs> Desperate Housewives. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's she's a natural beauty. She really is. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's in China Beach uh, back in the day, Desperate Housewives as well, and she's been in a ton of other stuff I haven't watched. Um, I happen to watch those too. I like those shows. <laughs> um, here's an interesting thing. If you read about Josephine Marcus in real life, she was so not that person. She was a, a hustler and a cheat and um, a two-timer and a three-timer, um, she had, she led dual lives. She came and went, um, you know, we'll, I'll mention it now at the end of the, at the end of the movie, when we do our outro narration, uh, Mitchum mentions that they spent 47 years together and never left each other's side. And that is the, probably the most fictitious statement in the entire movie. Except um, when they, they were did spend, other people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they did spend 47 years together, but uh, yes, there was a lot of that. Well, you're right. Um, you know, they were both cheaters, serial cheaters. Um, they, you know, their, their relationship was contentious and, and volatile. Um, so, you know, again, movie magic, let's make it, let's make it smooth and easy. That's fine with me. Um, it's just all a little forced. Um, so we, you know, they spot each other. Wyatt and Josie spot each other and we get the first time that they lock eyes because that happens about I don't know, 732 times in the movie <laughs> where, where they just lock eyes and we know that's it. You know, they're destined for each other. You see the um, mustache wiggle and it's on. Yes, exactly. And, and it's funny because uh, Mr. Fabian and in his, in his all his acting glory, he, he just so romantically describes Wyatt, not Wyatt specifically, but Wyatt's type as he's both predator and prey because he's stoic and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Josie just states, I want one. And, and uh, Fabian's response is happy hunting because he already knows her. He knows what she's like. So he knows that the, the game is on between those two. Um, so we transition to the theater uh, where the, the, this troupe's performance is about to take place. Um, the Cowboys were all there, and they are they're in good spirits. <laughs> we'll say that. They're hooting and hollering and shooting guns and, you know, just busting balls and, you know, um, we see we got our first glimpse of uh, Billy Breckenridge, played by Jason Priestley. Um, this was his first like mid nine hundred two one zero role. Like 
he was at his height on TV. Everybody loved him. And this was his first role. It was a supporting role. He wasn't in the movie much, but, uh, you know, this was his pre-race car crash, beautiful boy, best look. <laughs> okay. Because he got a little fucked up when he crashed the car racing um, later on. Um, not in the movie in real life. <laughs> um, he comes strolling down, and the Cowboys are merciless. They tease the shit out of him because he's a bit effeminate. And, you know, back then that didn't fly. And they just, oh, they're so brutal to him. Uh, they're just not nice. But Curly Bill has a soft spot in his heart, almost like a fatherly thing for him. And he invites him to sit down next to him up front. And, you know, he sits down there, and he's happy again. It's all good. Um, we see the Arps getting seated up in the balcony. Um, you know, Wyatt and Maddie get a seat um, they're waiting, and then uh, Doc and Kate show up. Um, Maddie apparently knows Doc, um, and maybe Kate too. It's funny. It's one of the only times in a whole movie she actually smiles, genuinely smiles. It's not forced or caused by, you know, being high on opium. Um, she, yeah, she smiles. She's happy to see Doc. She shakes her hand um, or kisses her hand, and she smiles. Um, it's funny, though, in this scene that they're also establishing the fact that this relationship isn't going to last because Wyatt's not paying attention. She's standing up before, the, before Doc comes, and she's standing up, and, you know, the custom is for, for the gentleman to take off the lady's coat, and he doesn't even do it. She calls his name, and he realizes he snaps out of it and, you know, does it for her. But, you know, they're just, again, heavy-handedly setting this up that, you know, things are going to change. And it, it, it's a bit frustrating. It's just, again, the weak point of the movie for me. Um, before the show starts, they meet Mayor Klum, uh, played by Terry O'Quinn, who is John in... John Locke. Oh, my exactly, God. Yep. Eric and, that freaked me Eric out. and my favorite TV show ever, <laughs> Lost. Um, and and Joe, and what? I fucking love Lost too. Oh right, you do. Sorry, I apologize. We're, me and you were talking about doing right. a Lost ep a cast. Or oh, we just maybe did episodes maybe, of Lost. Maybe maybe we did talk about that. No, Joe, I apologize. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to leave you out. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Now, Will, it's I don't the, know about Will. It's the whole Eric is a brother from another no, mother thing with me. I've <laughs> never seen it. Oh God. All right, we'll help you there. We were even uh, talking about doing bonus episodes. No, you're Lost. right. Dude, he nailed me. Okay, I apologize. Relax. I love you. <laughs> I don't. I don't love you less. Really. I'm not your uh, fucking Maddie. <laughs> there you go. Hey Josie, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm more of a Josephine. There you go. Um, yeah, Will. It's only 144 hour long episodes. Just dive in. You'll be oh. done in no time. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I've watched it three times. Yeah. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> um. So yeah. So anyway, uh, he he meets the mayor. And um, <laughs> we talk about him shutting it down because the mayor, the mayor approaches him again to maybe sign up and help the town out, you know, be, become a marshal. The mayor gets a, not even a word out. And he just looks at him, goes, not a prayer, <laughs> turns around. That's it. This guy's the mayor of the town. And he blows him off. He doesn't give a shit. He wants nothing to do with the conversation. Um, so, yeah, the mayor looks at the wife and they're off. That's it. They're done. Um, the show starts. Right, curtain goes up, and uh, <laughs> Dr. Gilman comes out. He's a juggler, and uh, and John Corbett, I believe, is Barnes. He goes, "Oh, I seen Dr. Gilman. I seen him in Bisbee. <laughs> he he throws things, <laughs> or he catches things. Yeah. I think that yeah, he catches <laughs> things. Yeah. And then one of the other cowboys, he, he stands up. Is one of the McLaurys. He stands up and he says, "Hey, Gilman, catch this!" And he shoots one of the pins out of his arm, <laughs> out of his hands. 
The guy goes yeah, scurrying that- off the stage. They're shooting at us for real. Uh, <laughs> that, that was super <laughs> fucked up. It was so good. It really was. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, the, and it shows you the total disregard for life that the Cowboys had because as good a shot as he is, he's going to so easily just kill the guy. <laughs> it didn't matter to him. You know, nothing would have come of it. Um, so he scurries off stage, and the, uh, the fabulous Mr. Fabian comes on. Uh, he's going to do a, uh, a speech from Henry V, uh, Shakespeare play Henry V, uh, the St. Crispin's Day speech. So he starts the speech, and one of the cowboys takes a shot at the pillar he's got next to him. But Fabian, Fabian flinches, but he just keeps going. He's an actor, and nobody's going to stop him from his craft. So, you know, he does it. And almost instantly, I mean, the cowboys respect that. They respect that he didn't back down from them in that sense. They all start hooting and hollering. They love this guy. Um, we notice instantly that, that little Billy Breckenridge especially loves Fabian. <laughs> he's, he's instantly enamored with the guy. Um, he's just staring at him, just, you know, soaking in his glorious acting. Um, absolutely has a thing for him. So, uh, you know, they go through the soliloquy <laughs> and um, – Curly Bill's comment, prettiest man I ever saw. <laughs> so they're all, they all know how good-looking this guy is. They're all thrilled. Um, you know, and, 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 and things go well for the rest of the performance. It's very good. Um, so then a performance of Faust uh, starts. Um, it's about the, making a deal with the devil. Um, we get a quick insight during that performance as to how fucking gone how lost uh johnny ringo is uh mentally i mean we know he's a psychopath but he is a tortured soul and uh joe could you roll it for me please what i'd do i'd take a deal and then crawfish and drill that old devil in the ass (laughs) how about you i already did it yeah. And you can hear that Curly Bill chuckle, that, that famous Curly Bill chuckle at the end of it, but Curly Bill's scared. Um, and later, later he'll vocalize that <laughs> as, to, as to his feelings on Johnny. Um, but apparently that was fairly accurate. Like the actual Johnny Ringo was very like uh, dramatic yeah. with that and yes. threatened to kill himself a lot and had a they lot of may uh, have actually done that. illness. There's, uh, there's, there's evidence to to suggest that he did kill himself um, and it didn't happen mm-hmm. the way that we thought but uh, yeah he, he was definitely a tortured soul you know so you would call him a psychopath and he is in the technical sense but he is he's, he you know it could have been schizophrenia it, it could have been any manner of you know bipolar any manner of mental illness but he had a lot of problems and that just that's that basically lets us know um, you know that he's definitely messed up um, you know, the, the performance ends and why it's, you know, the, the, the cast comes out and why it's very interested to find out who the devil is. Um, he probably knows already what he wants to see. Uh, devil comes out, takes off the mask, and, of course, it's Josie. And what do they do, boys? What happened? What do they do? They lock, lock eyes again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right? They see each other. Uh, and this time, Maddie sees it. So this is our first indication that, uh, you know, things are coming to us. Ahead. There's some fuckery afoot. Yes, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, the, you know, the two of them lock eyes again for, you know, number 355 or whatever it is. Uh, we know there's a connection. Maddie sees it. And, you know, we're going to see where it goes. Um, <laughs> when he does see her, when Wyatt does see her, his comment is, I'll be damned. 
and Doc's response is, you may indeed, <laughs> if you get lucky. Um, so, you know, Doc knows what's going on, too. He knows it's going to happen. Um, uh, we get a little more in-depth than that in a, in a, in a few minutes. Um, so the crew's leaving the theater. Um, Morgan is he's in a good mood. He's a very serene mood. He's, you know, he's got his God talk going, his spiritual talk. He's talking about the stars being so incredible and makes him feel insignificant, but that he's, you know, flattered that God would create him after creating that. And, um, you know, he goes to ask Wyatt what he believes. And Wyatt don't want to give an answer. Um, he, he's confused. We don't know why. Uh, you know, his answer is, do you believe in God? Or the question is, do you believe in God? He's like, eh, yeah, no, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, what happens when you die? Gives the same answer. He's very noncommittal. He doesn't want to get into it. Um, because, you know, at this point, it interferes with his, uh, his need to just make his fortune and live life. Uh, he doesn't want to think about that stuff. Um, it creeps him out. So, you know, he, he doesn't pay attention. Um, we see Maddie dip into the laudanum again. Uh, you know, her, her addiction is full-blown. Uh, he, he chastises her a bit and that, he, you know, he wants her to see a doctor, but she'll have none of that because uh, she knows what will happen if she does. She'll get cut off. Um, so... They have a conversation about him needing to go to work. Um, Virgil gets dragged off by Allie, <laughs> saying, I'm going to be with my old man tonight. Um, you know, uh, Morgan's wife, I apologize to you, miss. I don't remember your name. <laughs> he, she goes off because Morgan's going to join Wyatt. Um, Maddie gives him, you know, some crap, rightfully so. Um, she just wants her to, she wants him to be with her, and he really... He doesn't want any part of it. He tries to correct it by saying, okay, I'll hang up for a while, but it's too late. She knows it's done, so she tells him to go. Um, you know, she heads home with the, other, with the others, and um, Morgan and Wyatt head over to the Oriental because they gotta, they got to go to work. Um, we see a completely different Oriental now. It's packed so tightly that you can barely walk. Um, so, you know, th that bad mojo's gone. Everybody digs the place, and... Uh, it's a place to party in Tombstone, apparently. Um, they're all there. Uh, Wyatt, he, he starts off by sitting at the faro table. Um, and he's got some poor schlub thinking he's winning everything. It's his lucky night. Um, wins a bunch of stuff, then puts it all down on a card. Uh, <laughs> drops some mining deeds down, and in one flip of the card, it's gone. So uh, Wyatt and the boys are now in the mining business as well. Um, because they're just cleaning up. They're doing exactly what they set out to do. Um, so him and Doc and Morgan end, over, end up over at the bar. Uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Doc, Doc's partaking of the alcohol, Morgan is, uh, but uh, Wyatt's having coffee. He's not a drinker. Um, I don't know how true that is in real life. I can't see that being the case, but you see this movie, they, he's the one guy that doesn't really drink uh, throughout the movie. So, uh, you know, they start having a conversation. You know, Doc is basically hounding Wyatt about his feelings for Josie um, and and Wyatt's refusing to bite you know they ask him w what would happen if she walked in and he says I'd ignore her and neither of the two believe him but um, you know not two seconds later it happens <laughs> and uh, you know Doc laughs he snickers and uh, Josie comes in the crowd goes crazy just because of her recent performance um, she starts dancing. All the men want to dance with her. She's going from partner to part partner dancing. Um, yeah. You know, she ends up in front of Wyatt and <laughs> asks him to dance. And 
Wyatt turns around. He's, he does exactly what he said he'd do. He could, he'd ignore her. Um, so, you know, she nods her head, and Behan comes up to her, and they go off. And, uh, you know, Doc looks at him and goes, Wyatt, you're an oak. And, uh, or I stand corrected, you're an oak. Um, you know, so, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, so we're back at the, you know, we're still in the Oriental. Uh, Wyatt's back at the Faro table. Um, Fabian walks in to great applause, and, you know, Billy Breckenridge immediately grabs him. Can you come to my table? Because they want to have a conversation. So he's very excited to see him. Um, so, yeah, Wyatt's back dealing with Faro, and the Cowboys uh, are there. So they come over to the, the Faro table. Um, Curly Bill acknowledges knowing who Wyatt is. I mean, he, know, he knows he's the famous lawman. Um, Ike Clanton, <laughs> he's the Cowboys' little bitch. He's a bit of a pussy, but, he, you know, he's a blowhard. He's sort of like Johnny Tyler. He's a blowhard who backs down at the first sign of trouble. Um, in real life, I don't know that he was like that. Um, in real life, Ike Clanton's dad, who, who Mitchum was supposed to play, um, he, he was one of the early leaders of the Cowboys before they were called the Cowboys. Um, and, and Ike and his brother Billy, and there was another brother who wasn't in the movie, um, you know, they, they took after. And, uh, and I don't know that he was that much of a coward. Uh, he you know, did, uh, from what I've read, he did run away during the OK Corral shooting. Yeah, he did because like he, he, he was unarmed. He, he didn't have a gun, so I think it was a self-preservation thing. You know, I mean, Pussy. did he act like that? He could have. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So it's possible. He, he's, just, he's a bitch in this movie anyway. But, Do you you know, okay, gets, dude, yeah. I don't know why. But it didn't. It had not occurred to me until rewatching this film who that guy was. Yeah, it's Stephen Lang. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I never remembered oh, Stephen okay. Lang from Tombstone. Yeah, well, you know what? He's a bit of a chameleon when you watch his roles, man. He, Dude, because he was he was uh, he was chubbier in this than like say Avatar, where he was cut and ripped. Yeah. Um, and and he he can change with the wind for a role. He's he's good that way. So I watched um, that the one season of that damn show Terra Nova and I thought it was fucking yes. awesome and then oh, they canceled yeah. it. I know, I, was, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I agree. Now, I uh It was such a I cool see, fucking idea. I saw that he um when making this movie didn't drink any water and only drank as much tequila as he could so he'd actually be very very much Play, good at playing this role, like very authentic. Oh, there you go. Okay. Huh. And then when he went to do his next movie and he sobered up, he actually had they he got like sick from like the he got the DTs, the, yeah, the, the yeah the detox on it. Yep. Wow. Well, that's commitment to a role. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, Ike gets in, Ike gets in, uh, in in Wyatt's face and. You know, he, he's telling him, he's calling him Mr. Kansas Law Dog. Law, don't go around here, Kansas Law Dog. Um, you know, um, because he's, he's, got his, he, he's got his fellow cow, cowboys around him. So, you know, he, he's all big and blustery. Um, Curly Bill drops $500 on the faro table, and it's a winner. Um, that would be about eight grand in today's dough. So that was, that was a pretty good haul for one hand to faro. Um, pretty cool. So he's thrilled at this point. I mean, you know, Curly Bill, and again, Curly Bill is never not happy through this whole yeah. thing. <laughs> he's even at, even at the end when we get to that, he's not unhappy. He, he's just amazed by it all almost. It's crazy. Um, so it's at this point that Ringo, who's standing next to Curly, he notices Doc. Um, Doc is not looking good. 
the, the, the TB is getting him like crazy. Um, it's bad. Um, they have a quick exchange, and then uh, we go to this. So, Joe, roll it. You must be Doc Holliday. <coughs> That's the rumor. You retired, too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you look it. You must be Ringo. Look, darling. Johnny Ringo. The deadliest pistol since Wild Bill, they say. What do you think, darling? Should I hate him? You don't even know him. No, that's true, but... I don't know. There's just something about him. Something around the house. I don't know. Reminds me of... Me. No. I'm sure of it. I hate him. He's drunk. And Vino Veritas. I take what I just. Credat Judas Sotella, non ego. Eventus Stultorum. Come on, boys. We don't want any trouble in here, not in any language. That's Latin, doll. Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I really hate him. It's such a great exchange. I mean, it... it, it Doug, if you didn't translate that for me... Right well, now, I got it. I'm, I'm, I got, okay. All right. I, I got it here, I'm, buddy. I'm fucking no, hanging I, up and I'm going to bed. Yep, gotta do it. Trust. <laughs> All right, so um, right right after that, uh, you know, the tension is like at its peak. Um, so Wyatt just states about Doc, he's drunk. Um, he says that before the, the exchange in Latin, and uh, so Doc's first response is, "In wine, there is truth." Meaning, when you're drunk, you tell the truth. Um, and Ringo's, Ringo's response is, come as you are, meaning you're the old, kind of meaning you're the old man, I'm the young guy. Come on, let's do it. Let's do this, all right? Uh, Doc says, and this, is, uh, this line's a little tough, but it says, let Appella the Jew believe, lest not I. And he points at Ringo when he says, let Appella the Jew believe, meaning you go ahead and believe what you want, I'll still kick your ass, all right? Um, Ringo's response when he's touching his gun is youth is the teacher of fools. So that's obvious. He's calling, he's calling Doc a fool and the, the young guy is going to take care of business. Uh, Doc's response to that is rest in peace. So they've set the stage for each other. We know it's coming regardless of, of how this thing plays out. It's coming. Um, and they're going to get to each other. You know, I, I just love the line, you know, he, yeah, apparently Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I know I hate him. Um, it's, it's, it's so great. <laughs> Val Kilmer, again, we, we go back to that whole Willem Dafoe thing. Forget <clears throat> it, man. Forget it. Val Kilmer owns this movie. It's his movie, and we're all just lucky to watch it. Um, Did he win any awards for this? I think he might. I didn't look. I should have. He may have been nominated, but I'm not sure. It, the, movie was, the movie wasn't good enough to be that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he mm. would have been considered, but he, I'll, I'd have to check. I, I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, he de- he definitely deserved it because it was amazing. 
Um, so at that point, after the exchange, Ringo starts spinning his gun. And it's, it's good. I mean, Michael Bean practiced this. They both did. Um, but Michael Bean practiced this. He wanted it to look as authentic as possible. And he did a good job. Um, he's doing a lot of cool tricks with the gun. Um, the, crowd, the, the, the crowd's impressed. Everybody's clapping and applauding and, and whooping it up because it, it's impressive. Um, he finishes. He holsters the weapon. And Doc, again, not looking good, sweaty, pasty, drunk off his ass. Um, they all look at him for the response. And he just starts twirling his drink cup, um, yeah. just comically it's twirling awesome. the cup, spinning it up, down, sideways. And the crowd loves it because, you know, they just think it's funny. But he just put Ringo in his place, but also infuriated him even more uh, by doing That had this. to be one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Right? I mean, just right? so good. Oh, and, and yes. just to interject here, uh, as far as awards go, Tombstone, 1993, uh, Val Kilmer was nominated for okay, great. an MTV movie. Oh. <laughs> All right, shit. Best male hey. performance and most desirable male. Oh, there you go. Okay. But he didn't win yeah. either one. Nah. <laughs> well, right. it's no Thunderheart, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a soul sucking fucking movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, you know, the tension, again, it's still high. Like, like I said, uh, Johnny Ringo is in. Infuriated. He is, he is losing it in his head. Curly Bill knows this. He doesn't want any trouble. So he just, in his jovial self, he walks up to the bar right in front of Josie and says, drinks on me, and just basically makes it rain. He throws the money up in the air, uh, the, you know, the, the thousands of dollars he's just won. He throws it up in the air, and, you know, it, it's a party. So it diffuses the situation, and I, I definitely think that was his intention at that point. Um, and guess what happens again, boys? Wyatt and Josie lock eyes. Like, there's no fucking reason for that in this scene, but they got to do it again. So, uh, yeah, so they lock eyes again. Which leads us to the most cringeworthy scene in the whole fucking movie, besides the end of it. Um, <laughs> the next morning, uh. Wyatt's <laughs> yeah. up in the mountains riding horses. He's riding this his horse. This is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. Uh, he's up in the mountains riding his horse. and you can't have a horse opera without horses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's he rent looks, it out of him. Yep, yeah. He looks, there you go. he looks down the hill a little bit, and he sees Josie riding a horse. And I'm like, oh, no, please no. <laughs> but, yep. And, again, I think it's like the third time he goes, oh, hell. <laughs> he says that every time he sees it, he goes, oh, hell. Um, you know, what is and this stupid fucking shirt he's wearing? I know. It's that white. It's almost like the big shirt, the puffy shirt in Seinfeld. But it has like an apron on the front of it. Yeah. Like a I mean, it was supposed it's like to be some period, shit fucking like a lobster bib. Honestly, it's, the, the costumes in this movie were period authentic, down to the wool. They were, they were dying. People were almost dying of heat stroke because it was 120 degrees in fucking Arizona when they shot it. So it was, it was like period appropriate. I don't know. But it was a silly shirt. Um you know, he starts heading towards her, and his comment is, I'm an oak, all right, because, you know, he knows it's over. Um, it's, I, I can't even go into the fucking jabber that goes on with this too much, but, you know, Looks yeah. Like the, my the, horse wants to fuck right, your horse. Exactly. <laughs> there's a way awkward conversation about horses in season, and, and she plays stupid. How do they know? They smell it. Of course they smell it, you dopey. I mean, they just, they know, just like you know, you know. Um, so... 
you know, they go through that. Then <laughs> suddenly there's oh, God. A, uh, sorry. There's a picnic. They have a fucking picnic. I guess she had the stuff already. I don't know. They lay the blanket down and they start talking about life. And she's trying to get him to say what he wants to do. And he's giving the stupid man answers about kids and a family and blah, blah, blah. And she's not buying it. And he can't comprehend her willingness to just go from guy to guy. And, and, and you know, just because, you know, she's a woman with needs. And, and she's 100% right. There's, that's absolutely, you know, that's, that's the way it should be. But, um, you know, talks about the fact that she wants to live life uh, having ordering room service. So, By the way, this is the most progressive Old West woman I've ever seen in my yes, life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And apparently she was like that. Besides the boozing and the cheating and the stealing, <laughs> she was like that. She, she saw something she wanted and, and she took it in every sense of the word, you know, in, in a practical transactional sense and in a in human sense. Um, so, you know, she was ahead of her time in, in that sense. But, uh, you know, we, it, finally, she lets out the room service line, which comes back later to bite us again. And um, the scene's over. Thankfully, the fucking scene's over. Um, we are reminded of it in the next scene, though, quickly. It's a short scene, but Wyatt returns home to a very, very manic and, and high Maddie. I mean, she's God knows how deep in the bottle she is of uh, laudanum. Um, well, it's a new bottle. That's true. It's a new bottle. And, you know, at this point, Wyatt is only, he's half-heartedly trying to get her help. He doesn't give a fuck. And you can tell, and it's awful. It's horrible. It's like, fine, you don't love this woman anymore. Get her help. Drag her to the, do- the doctor. Do something. Don't just fucking, you know, blow it off, which he, which he keeps doing. So that's a, that's, that's a bit frustrating, or it's very frustrating. You know, he, then he lays Maddie's, he lays Josie's story on her. And that, what do you say we just pull up stakes and we live off room service? And, you know, he realizes that's what he wants to do. It's his excuse to get away from Maddie. But, you know, she, of course, looks at him like he's nuts, even in her hazed state. She <laughs> looks at him like he's insane. And that's the end of the scene. But it's basically a table setting scene for, for what's going to happen. Um, that's all it is. And it's heavy handed again. I've mentioned that already. But it, it bothers me. It's one of the scenes I could definitely do without. Um, yeah, this movie could have easily been an hour 45. No, exactly. Exactly. And the funny <laughs> thing is, is it, there's a director's cut that's like eight or nine minutes longer than the, the version we watched. That's the, the scenes in that. That scene is eight minutes longer? No, 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 no. Overall, there's about uh. eight minutes more in the director's cut. And all of those scenes, you can, you can watch it and see why they cut them. There was no need for it. And they could have cut even more. But, um, yeah, there were much longer scenes. There were some longer scenes in that. Um, so, anyway, mercifully, that scene is over. Um, we are back at the Oriental again. Um, so, Billy Clanton, Ike's younger brother. He's played by Thomas Hayden Church, as I mentioned. Uh, his claim to fame is Wings. and well, He was in Idiocracy. He was the Brondo CFO or CEO in, in yeah. Idiocracy. Um, you know, as, as well as a bunch of, like I said, Sideways with Paul Giamatti's a great movie. And we bought a zoo is a corny, sappy movie. I like, um, you know, it's been a lot Spider-Man of three. Yeah. Yes. Spider-Man three. Sandman. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I mean, he's a cool actor. I dig him a lot. Um, cause he, he can play a lot of different roles. He can play the tough. He can play the heavy. He can play a good guy, play a funny guy, you know, so it's cool. So he's in there and he's, you know, he's watching doc play the piano with Kate and, He's dropping comments about what she's doing with that lunger, again, with the lunger thing. And, you know, he's drunk off his ass. Everybody's drunk. Um, so 
you know, Billy starts spouting off some songs uh, by Stephen fucking Foster. <laughs> uh, Camp Town Races, and I forget the rest. You know, those, those type of old, westy, you know, twinkle piano tunes that I can't stand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that well, you learn is, in music class in the fourth grade. Is, this is. is Frederick fucking, fucking Chopin. Chopin, yeah. So <laughs> that's a great line. When, when he comes um, up and says play Camp Town Races, all I could think of is that intro scene from Blazing Saddles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, so it's a quick cut, sort of the same scene. It's a quick cut over to the opium den across the street. Uh, we see Curly Bill, and he is fucked up. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. He's hallucinating. All right. Um, he, he stumbles out of the, the opium den, and he, he's looking up at the sky, and he's like, I feel capital. <laughs> and he's looking at his fingers like they're not attached to his body and all sorts of shit. But on, like, on a dime, he turns and just mean. Like, he sees people, and they, their very existence pisses him off, and he starts shooting at them. Um, how he missed those people, I'll never know. <laughs> he was shooting point blank at some of them. He didn't hit them. Um, the guy on the horse rides by, he's three feet from him, and he misses them. Thankfully for these folks, okay? Um, so he's out in the middle of the road, middle of the street. He's howling at the moon. He's shooting at the sky. Um, Inside the Oriental, Behan is mouthing off because he's a fucking coward. You know, somebody somebody needs to take care of that. And I think it's the mayor. I, somebody says, well, <laughs> you're the marshal. This is a town matter. <laughs> I'm county. He's not touching that shit with a 10-foot pole. Um, Fred White is scared. Old Fred's scared. But he knows he's got to go out and do it. He's all right. I'll go do it. Um, he comes out. And, uh, you know, he, he's got his pistol drawn. And he... Sternly tells, you know, Curly Bill, you know, hand over your weapons. And you can see, and you know, Curly actually respects Fred. Like, because he knows, like, Fred doesn't work directly with them, but from the earlier statement about the Cowboys bringing money into the town, Fred knows the relationship needs to be, you know, moderated. And and Curly respects that. So he he, he sort of likes him. He loves him in a way. And he is listening to him. Um so, he, you know, he goes to hand over the weapons, and, he, and then he spins them on his fingers, so they're sort of, like, upside down. Uh, but at the last second, he shoots poor Fred. Um, and I'll finish this and then go into what really happened. But um, he shoots poor Fred, and, you know, I love uh, Harry Carey Jr., but his death was fucking awful. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he died like he died like a like a kid in a high school production of somebody because he just it was just way overacted, you know. Like that part in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <Yeah>. exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's bad. He drops. He drops. He finally drops. He's laying on his back. He's gone. You know, we see him get shot in the heart. He's done. Um, you know, th- this is gonna this is gonna play a part in a, in a scene in a couple of scenes or an hour scene from now. But we see Josie and Behan outside witness this happen. They see it happen. They see what happens, okay? And there are other people on the street to see what happens. Um, uh, Wyatt comes out, right? It's why, yeah, Wyatt comes out. Um, he uh, pistol whips Curly Bill and knocks him out, right? They grab, they grab poor Fred to get him off the street. They just want to get him out. Um, an angry mob surrounds Curly Bill because the beloved town marshal is now dead and it's curly bill's fault he murdered him they want to lynch him on the spot um wyatt even though he's not you know he's not any any 
where involved in the in the in the the law portion of this town he's like no he's going to go to trial for murder and you know we'll get justice or however he phrases it uh so he basically with his pistol drawn he's keeping everybody at bay um then the rest of the crew start showing up to help out uh with their guns just to keep the people from murdering them of course at the same time the cowboys show up uh ike and and the rest of the crew show up they want him released immediately um but they're not having any of it they're gonna you know they're going to lock Curly Bill up. Um, so there is a clip that you can uh, play for me, please, Mr. O'Rourke. He said to turn loose of him. Well, I'm not. So go home. I swear to God. Law Dog, you don't step aside, we'll tear you apart. You die first, get it? Your friends might get me in a rush, but not before I make your head into a canoe. You understand me? He's bluffing. Let's rush him. No. He ain't bluffing. You're not as stupid as you look, I. Now tell him to get back. Go on now, get back. Go on! Billy! He'll kill me. And you, music lover. You're next. <laughs> drunk piano player. You're so drunk you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns. One for each of you. <laughs> Another classic line by Mr. Holiday. That is just so fucking great. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, Ike... Ike turns coward again. Well, not coward. It's self-preservation at that point because he knows that, that why it's not bluffing. Um, and I also, one of my favorite lines, <laughs> you know, your friends may get me in a rush, but not before I turn your head into a canoe. Um, that is such a great line. It really is. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's how the, this, that, that, that whole situation is diffused and, and we move on. So um, I'm going to jump into the next scene and then talk quickly about what really happened uh, that so it's the next day, or it's a few, it's that day or a couple of weeks later. I'm not sure at this point. It's a little bit of time has passed, but uh, it's the morning, and they're, they're in, the, in the saloon, and they're all talking about the fact that Curly Bill got off on this murder. Um, judge Spicer, who, who was a real judge, he was the judge for that county, so he was involved in a lot of these things in real life. Um, his comment was, no witness, no murder. And, you know, they let him off, and... and, and you know, again, it goes back to what I said about Behan and, and Josie. Both were right there when they, they saw it happen among a bunch of other people. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Uh, Mayor Klum is in there again. He's still trying to convince. He's trying to convince all of them to get involved um, and, and help the town. Uh, they're all having none of it. Um, and, and Klum makes a point, and it gets to Virgil in that, well, you're making a lot of money in this town, uh, and you're taking advantage of the people in this town making that money. Um, it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't affect Morgan. Morgan makes a comment about the only thing I have a problem with is my hangover and, uh, and why it's Wyatt. He's not giving a shit. But you can see in Virgil's eyes that it's getting to him. Um, so before we jump on to the next scene, so, so that whole showdown, um, Curly Bill did get off, but the reason he got off is that he didn't do it. Um, he was handing his guns over to, uh, to, to Fred, and they were half-cocked probably because of the state he was in. And Fred, 
Fred grabbed the gun and pulled it while, while uh, Curly's finger was on the trigger. And the gun went off. And he didn't die right away. All right. He lasted two or three days, and he was able to give a statement saying that this was my fault. He didn't do it. And Wyatt even testified in, in defense of Curley saying, I saw it too because he was there. And it didn't happen that way. It was an accident, so he shouldn't be convicted of it. Yeah, and, and more of the reason he arrested him was to keep him from getting lynched. Exactly. No, that's exactly him. it. He was protecting him. <laughs> and apparently, according to this historical record too, though, while Curly Bill was obviously appreciative of that fact, he never forgave or didn't want to forgive Wyatt for pistol whipping him. <laughs> like, he didn't understand. He was trying to save his life. He just didn't get it. Uh, so yeah. he, so he, he held a grudge against Wyatt and, and all the Earps and, and Doc as well because of that. But they saved his life. So, you know, it, I, I understand it. That's too much story to have to infuse into this, into this movie. Um, it's fine the way it happened. You know, it's, again, it's based on true events. It's not true events to the T. Uh, but, yeah, that's just some background on, on how it actually happened. It's intermission time. Time for refreshment. During the next 10 minutes, you're invited to visit the refreshment stand, where you'll be greeted with fast, friendly service. You'll find hot dogs, juicy hamburgers, and mouth-watering delicious pizza. There are refreshing hot and cold beverages, ice-cold cola, and orange drink. Goes great with an order of crispy French fries. Then there's a wide selection of your favorite candies and other delicious snacks. And there's always a fresh batch of hot buttered popcorn to go with the rest of the show. So visit the refreshment stand now during this 10-minute intermission and add to your enjoyment of the movie. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often.